0: Good day, everyone. My name is Stefan Petrodias, the Chief Technology Officer for WPP, and it is my pleasure today to welcome you to WPP's Metaverse and More Academy podcast, where we'll be discussing a wide range of Metaverse and Web3 related topics with experts from the WPP network and special guests from the industry at large. As we cover both established concepts and track new developments in this space, we hope this series is informational and inspirational. Thank you for coming on the journey with us please sit back and enjoy another exciting discussion about the Metaverse and more.
1: Hello, and welcome to another episode of WPP's Metaverse and More Academy podcast series, where we cover topics about and relating to the Metaverse. I'm your host for this episode, Dale Immerman, WPP's Global Director of Immersive Technology and Metaverse. In this episode, we may be discussing things relating to The metaverse, such as augmented reality, virtual reality, virtual worlds, NFTs, blockchain, and AI, and the like. And if you're not comfortable with any of these topics, I might suggest that you also tune into our season one episodes, which provide a wonderful introduction to many of these topics. In season two, we're looking at the applications of these technologies and the implications and strategies and how we can leverage them in specific ways. So, with that in mind, today we're going to focus and discuss the consumer with my guest, Emma Chu, from Wonderman Thompson. Hi Emma, and welcome. Uh, please tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Hi, Dale. Pleasure to be here. So, my name is Emma Chu. I am the Global Director of Wonderman Thompson Intelligence. I lead the Consumer Insights and Trends Division at Wonderman Thompson.
1: Incredible. So. Understanding the consumer is definitely not an easy task or, or an easy feat. Um, I personally admire a lot of the work that you and your team have done. It's helped me get, get a greater understanding of people and communities. And I suppose something that's, that's a burning question for me, really, which I'd love to kick off with is, you know, this next generation that we're seeing um, come online and interacting with the web and all of these new metaversal technologies, um, can we can we sort of get a common view of of of, of what what this next generation looks like? Um, it seems so broad and, and and diverse.
2: It's interesting when you're looking at uh, the upcoming generation and what they're interested in, how perhaps technology can form new habits for them. Generation Z are well known as the digital natives and the next generation after that is going to be Generation Alpha. So they're still being born now. And one of the people who are well versed in the metaverse, Matthew Bull, he has commented saying this generation, they're going to be a generation of gamers. So if we're considering Gen Zs as digital natives, so at the heart of how they operate and what they do, it's connected to the digital sphere. For gen alphas, every touch point they have, they want some sort of gaming element attached to that. And of course, technology is going to be integral to it. I do think the way we are thinking about the next generation, not to be too philosophical, but I do think their idea of reality is also going to be very, very different from older generations. And that's largely connected to technology. and we're already seeing the way the younger generation are interacting with virtual worlds, digital spaces and they expect to almost continue parts of their lives within these um, locations and, and worlds. And with that for them, online, offline, URL, IRL, it's it's just life. So there isn't that distinction, and it will be more so when it comes to the youngest of generations.
0: Hmm.
1: Yeah, I see. I see a lot of companies still still looking at digital transformation, and um, I suppose when we look at Gen Gen Z and Gen Alpha, um, many of them were born after you know the internet was pervasive, and so this idea that they would even know what digital is not or let's call it online, without ever knowing a world with offline, um, often boggles me quite a bit. Um, Matthew Ball, as you mentioned, actually speaks a little bit about that in, in his book, which, which I thought was fantastic. And we're hoping to get him on the show uh, as a guest um, in one of our coming episodes. But in terms of, you know, you mentioned this, this new generation has, has a gaming element in everything. I mean, is there a difference between gaming and gamification? What are you guys seeing in that that, that regard?
2: I definitely think they're connected. So having gamified elements at all touch points, so that can even be in physical department stores or stores they're entering, even as we're going about a city tour, if you're able to add in this sort of gamified layer, this will make it far more engaging, particularly for the youngest of generations. And we're already seeing a lot of museums trying to entice um, younger uh, generations to come in and explore art in a way where they can add a digital layer. And I think this is quite an exciting way to think about the future of education, the future how we can explore places that often had a very tangible physical identity, and how a digital layer could wash over and actually enhance that experience for people. And I don't think this is exclusively for the younger generation. I think this is something that perhaps they will adopt first. And later on, the older generations will be more acquainted with it. Um, it's definitely something that I think all generations can benefit from.
1: Yeah. No, I. I hear you on that. Growing up, when, when I went to school and we studied biology, we, we had one of those model skeletons. You know, they're always missing a few pieces because they've been gathering dust in, in, in the science lab for, for years. And um, in recent years, I've experienced a number of augmented reality applications that let you place that skeleton in your own environment, um, viewing things like skin and muscles and bones and the various organs. And um I wish I had that stuff when I was at school. Um, I would certainly have remembered a lot more information and, and taken a lot more interest um, in in a lot of the subjects. Um, do you think um, people who have have sort of studied things um, are going to go back and almost restudy things using these new layers um, on reality to to give them a let's say, a a deeper or better perspective or knowledge or understanding of things?
2: I think there's potential. I do think there's ways to enhance learning through these new digital layers. Perhaps it's not necessarily about restudying something, but putting a new lens on how we can learn and absorb learnings. Um, I do think there is an area where, when I look at, I have two nieces. One is eight years old and one is 11 years old. And it's really interesting watching them grow up. Even the small difference between the 11-year-old and 8-year-old, the youngest, the 8-year-old, the way she learns and really absorbs is through games. Um, So it's quite interesting to see. And the way she games is also quite different from how I game, for example. Um, And I, I think there's something quite interesting in how we can tap into that for them to enhance education and to enhance perhaps more of a hybrid way of learning as well. So it's, they don't have to exclusively be learning everything in person. There's ways for them to continue that um, offline or online in a different way.
1: Yeah. I've I, I've also got uh, nieces and nephews and um, I actually classify them as some of my greatest advisors. Um, you know, they, they give you information um, in a very straightforward way. Um, but the general consensus that, that I've kind of had speaking to a lot of kids is is that they love this gaming world because it allows them to do things that as a child they wouldn't ordinarily be able to do. Go places they couldn't go and, and I suppose do things adults do that their parents maybe won't allow them to um, whether that's building experiences in Minecraft or Roblox, like like my nephew does, or um, dressing up with virtual try on and and, and things like my little niece does, um, it's it's fascinating fascinating to see how adults and parents of kids often look at this as, oh my gosh, this is a risk. I've got to limit the exposure. They need to go outside and and play in the mud, um, but for the kids and. Kathy Hackle another another metaverse expert who we've had on the show before spoke about her kids and how to them this 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 engagement in games and digital worlds it's real it's real to them so so i hear what you say around the the idea of reality is different
2: i think it offers these three dimensional virtual worlds that they can explore offers a sense of freedom for gen alphas and i can really see that with my nieces so the eight-year-old spends a lot of time curating her character um so i'm not sure if you're aware of the game full guys but we play that quite a lot and it's you're supposed to go through a a course but she spends most of her time kitting out her avatar And what that should look like, how it could be paired with certain different skins, different outfits, should it wear a hat, rather than playing the course itself. So for me that's quite interesting to observe and it makes me think about how it can perhaps shape identity in these spaces and how perhaps these spaces allow for a safer environment for these generations to learn about themselves and feel more free and open to explore who they are and what they could be through these avatars. Fall Guys is probably, probably isn't the best example here, but when our team ran a survey last year, asking people about their avatars and how they want their avatars to be represented, We found that 76% of people who had heard of the term metaverse, they say they want the avatar to express their individuality in ways that they can't in the physical world. So that makes me think that perhaps in these spaces, they're able to perhaps be more true to themselves and learn more about themselves that perhaps in the physical world they feel restricted by. And in addition to that, we found that over half of people, so 51%, say they feel it would be easier to be their authentic self in a digital world. Again, this come a few things come up having learned about these statistics. First is people feel like they can be more true to who they are in these digital spaces. Perhaps there are restrictions in the physical world that we're not, we've lost sight of over time, and we always feel like because we are in our physical form, how we present ourselves is our true self. But increasingly, as the younger generation are more acquainted and adept adapted to the the digital world, they feel comfort there. There is something about being in these places. There is a sense of comfort, and when it comes to brands and how brands can relate to them, they could be creating these digital safe spaces where they can explore who they are, their identity, in a way where um, they can relate to them a little bit more.
1: True. Wow. Um, that's a lot. I mean, go, going back, you, you, you sort of spoke about people and their identity. So sort of three things kind of came up. Um, for me, while 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 you sh- you were sharing that, um, I think the the first was just this idea and a concern that I see a lot of brands and a lot of our businesses have around diversity and inclusivity, uh, not just in the real world and in the working space, but in virtual worlds and gaming. And um, yeah, I'd like to unpack that idea a little bit more, as well as this correlation between societal pressures that i think um, young people have um, you know that desire and that need to fit in 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 a juxtaposition to online communities and how those communities are more accepting of how people show up uh, you know um, so in society if I have a you know, a job, I've got to wear a shirt to the office, maybe a tie as, as a man, uh, depending on the type of job I have. But, um, you know, when I log into to PUBG and um, shoot them up for half an hour, um, you know, I can have my, you know, my fairy backpack and, um, you know, my shark, shark NATO hat um, and, and people love it. Um, I, d- I don't know how my colleagues would respond if I arrived at work that way, um, and then yeah, and then third, I think something worth unpacking is definitely the brands and how how brands can engage um, in a responsible way with with people in these virtual worlds and virtual environments. So maybe we maybe we can start with yeah, maybe we can start with you know the the communities and society.
2: Yes, definitely the premise of the metaverse is that it should and must be social. It's a place for people to gather and congregate and be together. And that's how relationships are formed. That's how people are able to explore and do things together. This is why there's hubs and hubs of people meeting others who are in different parts of the world and they're able to relate and connect. And Again, in the survey that we ran last year, we found that 80% of Gen Zers said that the metaverse is a place to socialize in. So that was at the heart of what they believe the metaverse to be. And millennials are in agreement. So there's 82% of millennials who also agree with that. And then as you go um, to Gen Xers and boomers, it kind of uh, dwindles a little bit. But I do think it's integral that communities and being able to socialize is key to how you explore and go about these virtual worlds. And the idea of being able to be part of a community, to be part of a place where you feel comfortable is again going to be something very crucial in how these virtual worlds are going to be um, displayed and used. And so I think there's a lot of monitoring around how that can be but also I think it adds another level of it needs to be user-defined so these spaces need to allow people to express themselves to be creative to also have a say in how that world should be like and there was a company that we um, interviewed as part of the new rela- realities report called InView. And they said that they, as a company who created the InView world, they probably create about 0.02% of the assets in that world. The rest are created by the people using it. Wow. Um, so when it comes to The way people are socializing and using these digital worlds and spaces, it is about them expressing their creativity, being able to add to the world and perhaps even like hack and modify what exists there or what others are doing. So it is about getting together, mucking in and doing stuff together.
1: I can totally relate, Um, you know, growing up. I used to go into IRC, um, and I discussed this with, with, with our previous host, Sarah, as well, in in season one, how I would log on every evening, and, and in those days, all we had was text, right? So, so we would chat, and over time, I would actually make friends and later on meet those people in real life. Um, do you think that's something that is still going to happen, or, or is that maybe being flipped on its head? Um, so I would go online, meet new people and then connect with them in the real world. Whereas what I'm seeing today is kids are going to school in the physical world together. And then at night, they're reconnecting in the digital world, um, obviously, in addition to meeting other people around the world. But um, do you think everything's being flipped on its head at the moment in that regard?
2: I think this is definitely an area we'll probably be monitoring for years to come. <laughs> but I think... Ultimately, when it comes to the metaverse, it's not going to stay in the digital sphere. It's going to be something that converges with the physical world. So when we start tapping into certain um, technologies such as augmented reality, it will play a, a more crucial and offer a more profound element to where the metaverse will be evolving. and. Thinking about it in terms of relationships, perhaps older generations would consider friends that they know in the physical form closer. But I think with younger generations, they're not gonna make such a big distinction between those who they see in the physical form versus those who they know exclusively digitally, whether they're closer friends or not. For them, it's just their friends. and. Again, it goes back to the blurring of online, offline. For them, it's just life. It all kind of comes together. And perhaps there will be a bit more of an overarching clash between the two. Perhaps they will kind of meet those friends um, physically, in person. But it's not a must. I imagine the younger generation, for them, is all about nurturing that relationship, whether it's digitally or physically.
1: Yeah, so augmented reality is a big passion of mine um, and uh, the reason for that is um, because I believe it's it's got the broadest reach currently at this point, um, anyone with a smartphone um, has augmented reality in their pocket um, And I think it's also got an exciting future with the prospect of augmented reality glasses or even VR headsets that have passed through, you know, Mm -hmm. like Meta's Quest unit. Um, And I think that is an interesting area because for brands at a practical level, um, there are a lot more obvious opportunities that they can take advantage of. Um, However, the one thing that we've spoken about quite a lot is relationships and communities and how people are engaging and connecting um, through these mediums. But I haven't seen a lot of, let's call it multiplayer augmented reality experiences. Um, I'm sure it's on the horizon. Um, It seems to be far more um, observer or interacted through a single person experience. I've I've seen some interesting examples like um an augmented reality experience that got a lot of exposure recently was in Times Square with the launch of a Gorillaz music album and and I suppose that's less of a community experience as much as it is a shared experience that people were able to have simultaneously and uh, also, uh, Coachella, I know a number of people in our teams um, recently went as augmented reality creators to pretty much augment all the various sculptures and stage experiences that were at that event to to, to allow people to almost add this digital layer onto a very physical, tangible event. Um, effectively, it's a concert, right? Um Do do you see the metaverse infusing into sort of every single aspect of of people's lives?
2: I do. I do think ultimately the metaverse is going to become something as everyday as how we're engaging with our smartphones now as we're using the internet. There's a report that came out last year by Gartner, and they predicted that 25% of people will be in the metaverse at least for one hour a day by 2026 and one of the key components that makes the metaverse the metaverse is that it needs to be every day and these virtual worlds these virtual spaces technology the way it's going to become something that is integral within our lives is that it needs to make sense in our lives on a everyday basis it needs to seep in in a way that's almost seamless that we don't even notice when we're logging on or when we're using it. And it's interesting when I speak to a lot of people and I ask them about how their technology behaviours are, and sometimes they need to really think about it because people are using it more than they realise. And it's not just when you're working, it's not just when you're checking social media it's for every messages that you're getting. It's for every little notification you're using technology. And I think it's being integrated into our lives in such a way that we're not noticing it anymore. And I think ultimately where things are heading with virtual worlds, the metaverse will be the same.
1: Yeah, it's becoming completely pervasive. And I've always, I've always said, you know, the best type of technology is technology that's invisible. Um, I think there's a very small group of people who want to understand how something works um, versus the majority of people who just want it to work. Um, but w- with that said, um, you know, the metaverse was probably the hottest topic of 2022. Um, and in has crept a topic around artificial intelligence um, this year that is really. Almost taking the spotlight from from any other topic um, globally in, in in I suppose our our environment, right? Um, for me, what's really exciting about technology is generally the magic and the opportunities lie at the convergence, and so you know, as a proclaimed uh, augmented reality. Um, Fan, um, I know that augmented reality is is largely made possible by computer vision and machine learning. Um, and we're starting to see some interesting um, examples of how AI and AR are are starting to unite to create incredible experiences. Um, and some of them are coming out of brands. Um, so I don't think it's a dichotomy where you know people have to get excited about one or the other. Um, I get excited about both. Um, are you seeing are you seeing any ways in which AI is impacting maybe the acceleration of adoption or you know enabling creators to 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 have superpowers beyond what they've typically had to to build worlds and and things like that?
2: I definitely think artificial intelligence has sparked a lot of debate and thought and conversations. It's interesting looking at the conference and summit tracks. They really dictate what's hot right now. And this year at South by Southwest, there were a lot of topics around artificial intelligence. There was a futurist that was um, he had a keynote. Uh, his name is Ian Beercraft. And he talked a lot about artificial intelligence, even though metaverse was in the title of his keynote. And he commented that it's less about creating with artificial intelligence and it's more about relating to artificial intelligence. And I think that point, Dell, as you mentioned, it's not about learning about technology. It's more about how we can use it on an everyday basis or how we can relate to it. And I think, again, as people, these technologies advance and they become more slick and sophisticated and can be used by pretty much anyone that has some sort of digital footprint, it's going to be seeped into to their lives in a way where perhaps we won't even know we're using artificial intelligence in the future. Um, there was a lot of conversations around artificial intelligence, how perhaps There are ways we can relate to artificial intelligence more than humans. So I know a lot of people are actually turning to chat GPT, for example, for therapy. They're looking to um, artificial intelligence to understand more about their health and well-being and actually lean into the more empathetic side of this technology. So I think, again, for me, what's exciting is thinking about the emotional factor that technology can summon, Uh, even though we feel like, you know, it once had a very cold exterior and a a, a relationship that it served, it was a tool, it served a, a very specific purpose. But now technology is really multifaceted and it's increasingly becoming more human And I think there is one side where it's quite scary, but on the other side, I'm really excited about it. And I think there's so much potential in how we can harness tools like artificial intelligence for the better to enhance us as human beings. And at the end of the day, when I speak to a lot of AI experts, they say, we shouldn't be worried about artificial intelligence replacing humans particularly within the jobs sphere, we should be thinking about how it can then enhance us to do other things in life, how it can give us better work-life balance, how it can perhaps allow us to express more creative thinking when it comes to our job, that things that artificial intelligence can't do. Um, So I think that's where, for me, things could potentially be heading. And I'm For me, I'm quite excited by it.
1: Yeah, with the sounds of augmented intelligence, uh, perhaps, um, you know, teenagers um, will be going into virtual worlds, engaging with synthetic characters that can help them out um, and engage with them on topics and things that are life-related or guidance-related in in a really positive way. Um, These are all really exciting futures. Um, I know that a lot of our listeners are are people who are in the marketing realm. They're looking to connect with consumers. Um, they're looking to try and infuse their products and services into these communities and build relationships with people beyond the real world. They they've kind of got that waxed into the digital world. Are there are there any key trends you you'd like to to point out that you you believe might be become um, pertinent?
2: So in the future, I think the way brands could potentially tap into connecting and relating to people more is by having more personalized virtual ambassadors. So for example, I imagine if we infuse these virtual ambassadors with artificial intelligence, perhaps in the future, the brand ambassador I have for me, within the same brand, will be very different for you, Dale. And it will be personalized according to our wants and needs and our desires. And it will also grow with us. And I think that could be a really interesting potential for brands to explore how they can further connect with people on a deeper level. And this is a great opportunity. So it goes back to the point of how people feel like they can be more authentic in these virtual spaces. And if that's the case, perhaps they want to start speaking to other digital ambassadors and start relating to them, start opening up to them, start exploring who they are and grow with them. And that will offer another layer and level of what a brand can offer for people because after all the role of a brand is changing the role of a brand is becoming more human and it's increasingly infusing ways to better the world and better human beings and how the next generation can be and you need to start doing that by forming these intimate relationships and these AI-infused ambassadors that can be personalized could be a great way of doing that. In addition, because you did say anything that I had in mind, I do think the future of how we operate could potentially, again, blur between the physical and digital. Increasingly, we're starting to see more people nurturing digital creatures and beings. Yeah. And this does make a lot of people think about the Tamagotchi time. But rather than it being a throwaway device, people are thinking of maybe resurrecting or recreating a pet that they loved and once had and nurturing this digital being. Wow. There was uh, someone at South by Southwest who talked about virtual children. So she said, maybe right now virtual children feels like it's something really far-fetched but in 50 years time it's not going to be such a stretch because of how we're operating how we're already behaving and thinking in these digital spaces so the way we think about families and who's important to us and how we create relationships it doesn't necessarily have to be exclusively physical it could also blur into the digital world as well and If families are going to encompass these digital beings, how can brands tap into that? How can they relate to people more? So just some food for thought.
1: Sure. That is an exciting future. And um, unfortunately, I'm afraid that we've run out of time. But Emma, thank you so much for joining us today. I, I think... There are probably a lot of listeners who would love to get hold of some of the research you've done. So we'll definitely add the links to Into the Metaverse and New Realities, the surveys that your team have done in the past. And I'm sure through signing up for those, they can learn more about any new, new research that you guys do in the future. But um, that wraps up this episode of the WPP Metaverse and More Academy podcast. So if you've enjoyed this, uh, please give us a great rating. Share this with your friends. Follow us to know when future episodes are available. um, And hit that like button. It's been fun, and I hope to be with you again, Emma. Until then, thank you for listening, and have a great day.
0: Thank you for listening to the WPP Metaverse and More Academy podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. If you'd like to learn more about WPP, the creative transformation company, find us at wpp.com or send us a note to newbusiness at wpp.com. That's it for today. We look forward to seeing you in the metaverse.